This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, February 3rd, 2013. Nehemiah, Lessons in Godly Leadership, moving on. Good morning, Connection Church. It is great to worship with you this morning. Thank you for coming. Thank you for joining us. Expect that God is doing something mighty right here, right now in you. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, we thank you for today, a day that you've made, a day that you had in your mind's eye long before, and it's no accident that any one of us are in this place right now. Thank you for your mercy that we sang about a few minutes ago, that you're always on our side. And Lord, help us, O oh, taste and see that you are good. Now open our hearts so that we might receive your message found in the book of Nehemiah. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody here agreed and said, Amen. Mm. Did you hear that? I heard a rumbling. I, it was either thunder or was the kids. It was I just one or have the to other. tell you, I was over there earlier. <laughs> I almost didn't come back over here. It was so much fun. Your kids are engaged. They're worshiping. They're praising God in that garage. And it's not only happening there. It's happening in the pre-K rooms. It's happening in the junior high and the high school rooms. And the little ones are getting loved all over in the nursery. So God is so good. God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. good. So as we shared last week, do we, want to just go over, do we all just want to go over there? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I have to tell you, last service, like we were, it was so much fun. Uh, they're talking about peace. And so the mom was just let her kid off. And then she looked at me. She goes, well, I want to stay here. And I'm thinking, yeah, me too. But anyway. All right, we'll start dancing like she did over there. Yeah. We'll see if we can liven yeah. it up here. Okay. Anyway, as we shared last week, um, Nehemiah completed the repairs uh, to the wall and the gate uh, in just 52 days, thanks to a lot of prayer and by not allowing himself to be distracted by his enemies. In less than two months, Nehemiah, and here's the important thing, his managers and workers, because he certainly didn't do it all by himself, but he engaged people to do the job. They were able to rebuild something that had been in disrepair for over 150 years. His God-focused leadership allowed this to happen. Well, since God called Nehemiah to rebuild the wall in Jerusalem and that job was complete, it would first appear that Nehemiah was finished, done. He could just lay back and take a rest. If we go back to chapter 5 in Nehemiah, and we've really tried to cover much of the essence of the book. Back in chapter 5, we find that Nehemiah wasn't there merely to build the wall, but actually to help a people with their identity, to reclaim who they are. But the king at the time, his name was Artaxerxes. What a name, Artaxerxes. He had appointed Nehemiah governor of Judah. So here Nehemiah finishes this, and now he's appointed governor of the territory named Judah. As governor, Nehemiah is faced with a very serious situation. 
it seems that it was a very dry time, an extended dry time. So what happens when things are really dry is that there's not enough food. And then that means that people are hungry. People were just trying to stay alive at this point in time when when Nehemiah was appointed to lead this place. What a great appointment, right? Not. Wow. Anyway, in order to survive, the people there had to mortgage their land and their homes. Some things haven't changed. In order to stay alive, though, that's what they needed to do, to mortgage their land and their homes in order to buy grain. In addition, some even had to mortgage, it's hard for me to even say, their sons and daughters into slavery. And apparently, back then, this was not as unusual as we might think, especially during times of famine. But but it was usually a temporary situation, and, and, and they weren't supposed to be charging their own people interest on, on the money. That seemed to be kind of like the kind of the rules of the game that weren't being followed. In this case, though, it wasn't temporary. It was more widespread. Interest was being charged, and it seemed like it was going to be more ongoing. And the, the result was the rich were getting richer, and the poor were getting poor. Yeah. And, and, and so then there is an outcry from the poor and, and Nehemiah hears their cry. It reminds me of back when the, uh, the Hebrews were in slavery in Egypt and they cried out to God and God heard their cry. In this case, Nehemiah hears the cry of the poor and, and he calls the nobles and the officials to task and he chastises them for taking advantage of their own people, of taking advantage of this particular situation of famine. And Nehemiah tells them to give back the fields and the vineyards and the olive groves and the houses and the interest that they've been charging. And in addition, I would imagine he told them to, to take those sons and daughters out of slavery and return them to freedom. And, and, and the thing that's incredible is the nobles and the, and the, and the leaders agree to all of this, saying that they will not any longer demand uh, any more from those they've taken advantage of. In fact, will return it. And so Nehemiah shows some real godly leadership here. Lesson one in godly leadership for this morning. Take care of the people you lead and see that justice prevails. See that justice prevails. There were several other serious challenges that Nehemiah faced as governor of this area. Um, For example, even though the walls were rebuilt, restored, um, and Jerusalem was once again fortified, it was not a thriving full city because, remember, the people had been kicked out. They had been exiled. And so here we have this kind of empty city. An empty city isn't good, is it? Absolutely not. And so as people were coming back, they were allowed back into their homeland. They didn't go into the city, but they went back to their hometowns. Well, God gave Nehemiah a plan to repopulate that city. This resulted in the leaders of the people settling in Jerusalem. And in addition to that, this is how they did things back then. People drew lots to bring One in ten people, they were um, asked and went back into Jerusalem, into the holy city. Scripture said it was voluntary. 
Doesn't sound voluntary when you drew lots and you were expected to go, but one in ten went. <laughs> one in ten went. Well, we uh, now get to lesson number two of godly leadership lessons from Nehemiah. When God speaks, godly leaders listen and do what needs to be done, and they do what needs to be done, even when it is not easy, even when it is not popular. Mm. Another challenge that Nehemiah faced, and I think this may have been uh, the, the greatest challenge, maybe even a greater challenge than building the, rebuilding the wall, was that the people had gotten very far from God. Very far from following the, the law, the rules, the, the directives that God had given to Moses on Mount Sinai back when they were in the desert. The guidelines for living together and living as God's people. They had gotten far from those. You know, if you read in any section of the Old Testament almost, you see the people are close to God, and then they're far from God. Close to God. And the far from God sections are much longer than the close to God sections in the Old Testament. And this is one of those far from God places. And uh, what had happened, they'd gotten away from bringing their tithes. In other words, the first 10% of, of, their, of their, uh, uh, what they'd grown of the harvest, bringing it into God's storehouse. And they'd gotten away from keeping the Sabbath a holy day, a day set apart for God, a day in which no business was to be conducted. And in addition to that, they had allowed their sons and daughters to marry, intermarry with the surrounding peoples. And the challenge with that is... It's not that it was contrary to marry other people, but because those people did not believe in the God of Israel. And by marrying, it would draw them away from the God of Israel. Just like we remember Solomon in his later years married women from other countries, other faiths, and that drew Solomon away from following the God of Israel as he should have followed him. And that's what was happening here as well, drawing those sons and daughters to other beliefs, and to other gods in the surrounding areas. Well, thanks to Nehemiah's leadership, a lot of this changed. The people, once again, began following the God and the laws that God had given to Moses. Laws like the ones that we know about are the Ten Commandments. God gave them to Moses. The people had strayed. Now they were coming back. They also began to give their tithes, their, their first fruits of their crops and, and the oil and the wine to be brought into the storehouse of the temple. They listened to Nehemiah and discouraged their children from marrying outside of the faith, marrying those who didn't believe in the God of Israel. Nehemiah did something else that I think is perhaps one of the bolder things, although all of it was very bold. Nehemiah ordered that the gates of Jerusalem be closed on the Sabbath. Now remember, part of the deal was to grow the city, you know, to make it prosperous, get people in there, in and out and in and out. But Nehemiah closed the gates of the city on the Sabbath, not allowing commerce in or out so that the people could worship the God of Israel without the distractions. In addition, the people promised to allow the ground that they had to lay fallow, to not plant seed, and to cancel debt 
every seven years. That's what the God had, what God had told Moses years before. And so they agreed to once again follow that. Lesson number three in godly leadership lessons. Godly leaders redirect their people to God. That's what Nehemiah did. He redirected the people back to God. But I would also posit to say that godly leaders direct their people to God. It's either redirect or direct to God. And so even though Nehemiah and his workers finished the wall in just 52 days, Nehemiah was not finished. God did not allow him to sit back and relax and enjoy the fruits of his labor. God had more for Nehemiah to do, and so he had Nehemiah move on to the next assignment. God does the same with you and with me, with us. When God gives us an assignment and the assignment's finished, we aren't. (laughs) God always has more for us to do. God always has another assignment waiting. When it appears we've finished what God has called us to do, we're never really finished. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. We're never really finished. It's just time to move on to what God has planned next. In, In the case of Nehemiah, building the wall was the first step in God's plan to rebuild the people of Jerusalem. And so uh, he chose Nehemiah to be the leader of both of those rebuilding projects. We see this kind of thing often in Scripture. One of our favorite stories is a story of a guy named Caleb. Caleb is found in the Old Testament with the first part of the Bible. Now, Caleb was one of 12 spies that Moses uh, sent across the Jordan to kind of scope out, to do this feasibility study on what the promised land was going to look like. Because they were, you know, they knew that they were, the promised land was in their future. And so these 12 spies went and checked it out. And when they returned to give their report, 10 of them reported that they encountered uh, people that were so powerful. They even say, we felt like grasshoppers, you know, compared to these people. The cities were fortified. You know, it was, it was a very scary place for these 10 spies. And so that was the message that they gave. And it was only Caleb and Joshua that expressed their faith in the Lord, that the Lord would give them the land that they needed, the land that was promised. Guess which voices were listened to? The ten spies. Guess what happened to the Hebrew people? They continued to wander in the desert for how many years? Forty more years until those voices had passed. Mm. And so now it's, it's 40 years later and we see Caleb. And it's funny, the clip earlier uh, from the Secondhand Lions movie, the character Hub McCann played by Robert Duvall, he, rem- he reminds me of kind of Caleb, this, this older guy who's still ready to, to take it on. And so here's what, here's what Caleb says to Joshua. You know, they were the two spies that had said, let's take it. Joshua now is leading the people because Moses has, has died. They've crossed into the promised land. They're in the process of divvying up the sections of land to the different families. And, and here's what Caleb says 
to his old partner Joshua, who's now in charge. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. Isn't that incredible? He's 85. <clears throat> 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. <clears throat> I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. You gotta love this guy. This guy's kicking. He's 85. 85 years old and still serving the Lord <laughs> with everything that he's got. Telling Joshua, the leader, that he would go into battle to claim this hill country that God had promised. Ready to serve the Lord. Now, I hope, I mean, I'm already starting to feel tired. I'm hoping that at 85, I have that oomph, and I'm hoping that you do too. I'm hoping just to see 85. Yeah, I know. I know. Here's, here's the truth, though. I think that when, when we get older and we're not able to do the things that we're used to, be, used to doing, we begin to feel useless in the kingdom of God. And it might not just be older. It might be that our circumstances have changed. We have something that's happened and maybe there's some kind of physical issue or whatever. And we're just not able anymore to do what we used to do. And we begin to feel useless. Right here is proof that no one is useless, that everybody is called, no matter how young, how old, or what's going on in their lives. And it's our job as a church, our responsibility to help all of us be able to say, yeah, let me take that hill country, because God has an assignment for all of us. It might not be the old one. It might not be what we're used to. It might not even be what we thought we were geared for, but God just got to listen to where God tells us to move on to what's next. Because he's always got something for each of us. That's, that's what the, the disciples, they found that too. You know, after Jesus died and resurrected, um, to say things were a little bit crazy is pretty mild. Um, I, I don't think the disciples quite knew what to expect next. Jesus had tried to prepare them. He kind of told them, but they weren't quite catching it. And so in the book of John, we, we read how, how uh, uh, several of the disciples, uh, including three who had been professional fishermen, Peter, James, and John, they decided to return to something familiar, return to something not crazy, return to something that made sense. They go out, they go fishing for the day, or actually for the night. They go out fishing just to get away from the craziness. The only trouble is these professional fishermen fish all night and don't catch anything, uh, that should have been a sign that things were different for them. <laughs> and there's a guy on the shore that calls out to them. Throw your net on the other side. I'm sure Peter's going, you know, grumbling. I just, you know, give me some help here, sure. But they throw it to the other side and they fill a net so full they can't even, it's about to break. They can't even get it in the boat. And then Peter realizes that the guy who told them 
to throw it on the other side was none other than the resurrected Christ. Wow. And so Pete jumps out of the boat and starts running. I don't think he was running on the water this time. That's another side. I don't think that it was, was on. That was last week. That was last week. But it says, you know, he's, he's hauling it in, trying as fast as he can to get in. And, and then the boat follows and they're, they're just kind of trolling the net. They don't even get it in because it's so full of fish. And Jesus has a nice, it doesn't say char, I don't know if it was charcoal or gas, but he's got a nice barbecue ready to throw some fish on, you know, when they bring them in and they got, they have a great, I'm not much for fishing, especially breakfast, but I guess it worked for them. They had a nice fish breakfast out there on the beach, all the guys back together, Jesus. Well, that just must have been absolutely incredible. And then he kind of pulls Pete aside. He says, Pete, I, I got to talk to you. And, he, and here's, here's what he says. John chapter 21, beginning at verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, what did he say? Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, what did he say? Take my my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, can you imagine Peter at this point? He was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And what did Jesus say? Feed my sheep. So lesson four this morning in godly leadership and I would say this is the primary lesson for today. Always be prepared to move on to the next thing that God has in store for you. Always be ready for the next thing God calls you to. You know, Nehemiah did not rest once the wall was rebuilt, once the gates were completed, once the doors had been set. God had so much more for him to do, rebuilding the people of Jerusalem once he had rebuilt that wall. Caleb was 85 and still ready and willing and able to do battle for the Lord. And when the disciples thought it was all over, what they found out, it was just the beginning. was just starting. Because they had a new assignment. Feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. Wow. And so God has plans for each one of us. Every single one of us. Because God created us. Whether we truly believe that or not, that is the truth. God created us, and God created us with a purpose, a God purpose, and a plan, a God plan. You know, we spend time kind of just like the uh, Israelites going far from God and then back and far and back. But the bottom line is when we're far, we're just spinning our wheels and things don't make sense. And we think we're going along just fine. And then we find out we're not because we're not operating in the will of God when we're far from God. And so we come back and we live out. We begin to live out the purpose that God has for each one of us. So what is God's purpose for your life? Because there is one. 
you might be in a place where like kind of all cylinders are going right now. You know, you're, you're serving in a certain area. You're feeling passion about that. Or things are, you know, you've got a ministry. We're all in ministry. We've got a ministry in our workplace or at school, at college, wherever that might be. And things are really connecting. But just when we get too comfortable there, God often tells us that we have to move on. Just when I got really comfortable in my job as a nurse, God told me to move on. I did not want to. I don't know what it is for you. But if you're thriving, if you're in a place of passion, enjoy that ride. Celebrate it. Give God everything you've got. Whether you're 20 or whether you're 85 or 16 or in everything in between, give God everything you've got, just like Caleb did. And if you're in that dead zone, spinning your wheels, kind of things are empty, it's time to move on. Get out of that. Pray hard. Listen. Be ready. Now, there are seasons where we are able to take some rest, you know, periods of time where we might take a sabbatical, you know, those are refreshment times, but don't get too comfortable there either because God will want us to move on. God is never, ever finished with us as long as we have breath. And then when our breath ceases, We are in the glory of God and nothing matters at that point because we just get to be with Jesus 24-7. So we pray that today you'll realize the God-given purpose in your life. Be courageous and bold and be ready to move when God tells you to. Speaking of those times of rest, there's a section of the Old Testament where the Hebrews are out and they're just, cra- they're just out of water. They're craving water. And they come upon God who makes available an oasis. Mm. <laughs> and it's glorious, the oasis, you know. It's water. It's some green stuff. It's, it's away from the sand. And yet, the oasis wasn't the destination. It was just a stopping point. And after they got refreshed, it was time to get back out, walking, <laughs> toward, in the desert, toward the promised land. And, you know, God gives us those oases, oasis, those places of oasis <laughs> in our lives. And yet we don't camp out there, do we? Because God's got more travel, more moving on for us to do, on to the next challenge, on to the next opportunity, on to the next kingdom possibility that God gives us, you know? As Carrie said, some of you might be just thriving. And we're going to go into a time of communion. And once you take communion, there's time for prayer. And I encourage you, thank you, Lord, you know. uh, Please continue to give me the strength and courage to do what you're calling me to do. And uh, uh, But some of you, if you're in that in-between time, you know, say, Lord, what's next? Help me to be open. Please guide me to where I'm going to move on to, whatever that might look like. You know, some of you moving on might be moving on to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe that's what the moving on today is. 
You know, maybe, maybe you've gotten to a point where you realize that, yeah, I'm a sinner, Lord, in need of a Savior, and I can't save myself. And so maybe today's the day you share that prayer. Lord, I, I can't do it myself, but I need salvation, and I, from what I understand, you're it. You're it. Please come into my life and bring me the saving grace that I hear so much about. Maybe that's the moving on for you today. Whatever it is, please pray. Maybe you can pray at your seat, pray up front. Uh, uh, friends Mike and Maria are back there. They'd love to, uh, and Dave, they'd love to pray with you if you want somebody to pray you, uh, offer prayer or share uh, um, realizing a relationship with Jesus Christ through. They would love to walk you through that. Yeah. The thing is, as we saw with Nehemiah and with Caleb and with the disciples and throughout the Scripture, there's, there's no pension plan in the kingdom, is there? We don't get to retire. It's, we move on from one kingdom opportunity to the next. So be open to where God's leading, where God's guiding, what God has in store for you. Amen? Amen. That's the good news. Let's live it. Let's pray. Holy God, uh, this guy Nehemiah, wow, what a great lessons in leadership we can learn from him. But most importantly, he followed you. He was open to your call. He prayerfully did what you called him to do. Please help us to be in whatever position we're in. Uh, please help us to learn from these leadership lessons and to ever focus on you as you call us to work with you in the kingdom. Thank you for the opportunities you give us that you share this most crucial work with us. It's in Christ, in your Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church. Connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.